We're here. We're on. Nice. Welcome OTC listeners. The second episode of the OTC Outside the Comics podcast. Last episode I gave a little introduction in terms of who I am, who my favorite superheroes were, and pretty much just me rambling on yada yada yada. But you know what? Feel like now it's time where we get down to actual serious business, if you know what I mean. You don't know what I mean. But you know what? <laughs> Hearing me just rambling on and on again. This podcast, I want to, well, this episode to be exact, I want to focus on I'm trying to do a little segment where maybe each episode I can talk about, you know, something in the DC world. And the next episode, talk about something in the Marvel world. You know, just just to keep it on, just keep it a little bit interesting. Because I feel like there's so much going in either side. Whether one of us as fans are disappointed with one or the other person is disappointed with another. We get to pick our strengths, we get to pick our poison. And if you're like me, you're pretty much a big fan of both. So it really doesn't make a difference what we choose. Or what's given to us. You know, we deal with the cards that are dealt. But you know what? I'm excited. Second episode of the OTC podcast. Uh, This episode, we're going to be talking about DC stuff. And if I had music right now, I would be playing it. So, woohoo! Woo, woo, woo! (laughs) With that being said, let's get right down to it. So... First news coming out in the DC world, Wonder Woman 2 has been confirmed to be set in the 1980s. The 1980s setting being confirmed by Patty Jenkins herself. And for those of you who don't remember, Patty Jenkins was, or is, the director of Wonder Woman, the first one that I released in 2016, last year. Ooh, last year. Ooh, no, I'm way off. Two years ago. Two years ago? Or last year? That doesn't matter. Recently. And now, she is setting up the sequel again to be released. I believe it's next year for 2019. And it's going to be set in the 1980s Cold War. Now, I find this to be very, very interesting because if you remember, if you haven't seen Justice League or if you haven't seen Batman vs. Superman, you know, slight spoiler, but she actually briefly mentioned that, and by she, I mean Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, uh, she actually briefly mentioned that she walked away for over 100 years from mankind and just let everybody do whatever they want. Gal Gadot... Uh, does not agree with that. So they're pretty much going to ignore that whole thing. The fact that she actually did come back. And now she's coming back in another prequel story. Because in a way it actually makes sense. Now in the Justice League with everyone together. You kind of feel like. Every character within that team needs to be flushed out just a little bit more. And because Patty Jenkins did an awesome job with Wonder Woman showing the empowerment of women and the empowerment of the soldiers during World War One, Not to mention a very, very good chemistry setting between the main characters themselves. 
I felt like, or I feel like right now, that Wonder Woman 2 is exactly what we need to actually keep the ball rolling, especially with what's been going on in the DC Extended Universe. Cheetah, I don't... If this story is being set in the 1980s, that, that actually just came to my mind. I wonder how Cheetah is going to be introduced into that story. Will she be introduced in terms of, you know, Themyscira? Is she going to be introduced, like, after the world, uh, after the war is done? Is she going to be a part of the war? Um, are we going to see how Cheetah was formed? In terms of, you know, like a failed science experiment, like a regular human being? You know, these are questions. These are questions that are, are key to, you know, to remember and to actually think about. Nevertheless, I am excited. I'm excited for what the movie is going to bring. I'm excited for what Patty Jenkins' new look is going to do. And you know what? Wonder Woman, definitely a success. I believe, hopefully, Wonder Woman 2... <laughs> nearly got tongue-tied there. Wonder Woman 2 is going to be just as better if not more awesome than anything else. What else we got? Let's see. I'm scrolling my computer here and there. There we go. Uh, let's see. Ah, Aquaman. Aquaman director James Wan says the visual effects are not done, which is the reason why he's not showing any trailers. You know what? I'm actually for this idea. James Wan, for those of you who don't know, James Wan is, has been deemed one of the best horror directors ever. If you remember him from Insidious, Dead Silence, I believe he directed Dead Silence. If I'm not mistaken, he did that. And the Saw movies, I think it was the first two Saw movies that he directed, if not the first one. And then they just went completely over the ship. But then again, you know, my guilty pleasure. James Wan wants to ensure the visual effects are like up to par, especially with what's going on with Aquaman. Which is very interesting because Aquaman gets released this December. If December 14th, if I'm not mistaken, December 14th, 2018, Aquaman will be getting released played by Jason Momoa. Amber Heard is going to be playing Mira. Uh, I think, in my personal opinion, this is actually a pretty good move. You know, we're already being exposed with what's going on with Marvel currently. And after July, which is the release of Ant-Man, we're going to have at least a two to three month gap. And then Venom, which we will talk about in the next episode, we will have like a three-month gap of literally nothing involving superhero movies or comic books in general. And for us, that's actually a good thing because we don't want to get too caught up with what's going on. We don't want all of the candy that's been fed to us. You know, we need some time. We need some time to regroup. We need some time to recover. We need some time for us to like take a break because you know that old cliche, too much of something is never a good thing. Well, in many cases, that's actually right. 
for James Wan, everything that involves with Atlantis, that involves with uh, Aquaman's powers, that involves with the underwater scenes, that involves with um, the villains, uh, you know, Black Manta, the villain, If for those of you who don't know. All of that have to be extremely well done because it's not only the story that needs to be told very well, the visuals has to be up to par, which in many cases for a lot of films that we've seen in the past, people can have very good visuals, especially when it comes to the film industry or just the movie in general. But if the story is not good, it makes no difference whatsoever. Case in point, the Transformers movies. How many of you guys have actually seen a Transformer movie and just seen it for the explosion and all the boom, 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 or whichever, or Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman, which was such a letdown. Holy crap, was this such a letdown. I feel like I should save that for another episode ju just to like go back and, you know, talk about what exactly failed, but holy crap. Was it such a letdown? My point is... Any person, any director can have good visual storytelling. Especially when it comes to a comic book movie. But if the story is not good... It means absolutely nothing. Which is why I'm keeping my fingers crossed... For Aquaman, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for, you know, what's going to happen with, um, with Jason Momoa's character, what's going to happen after, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to tell another brief introduction in terms of how Aquaman came to be, like if he's going to be younger or if they're going to explore him in terms of his human side. I'm actually intrigued. I'm actually interested to see what's going to happen next with him. Uh, so yeah, December 14th, again, I'm just guessing the date out of my uh, out of my head. I believe, I'm sure it is December 14th because the week after is the Spider-Verse, which I'm also excited. Ooh, spider characters coming together, yay! <laughs> Aquaman. December 14th, 2018, have fun with it, hopefully we can go see it, and I'll definitely talk about it more as the time goes down. Next segment, let's see, let's see what we got here in the DC world. Ooh, Batman Ninja, free tickets available for New York City premiere. This is pretty interesting. Uh, for those of you who don't know... Warner Brothers, like, first of all, let me just say this. Batman is Warner Brothers' cash cow. Like, you, in, in some way, you can nearly do no wrong with Batman. And the reason why I say nearly do no wrong is because we remembered what happened with Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And I don't even want to get started with those catastrophes. But Batman Ninja, for those of you who don't know, Batman and his family are sent back in time, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen the movie myself, so I'm just, 
just spewing off with what I saw in the trailers. They go back in feudal Japan. And the animation from what I've seen with the trailers and everything is fantastic. If you are a fan of Batman, if you're a fan of Japanese animation, if you're a fan of the Japanese culture, the samurai swords, the 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 the, the culture and the art style, the waters and the trees and the symbolism that Japan uh, um, foretells, and it's so intriguing as to what creators. And directors can do, especially with a character like this. Because if I'm not mistaken, this movie actually not dehumanizes Batman, but in a way it actually enforces him and his family, you know, Robin, Nightwing, Catwoman, Alfred, or whoever. Um, they rely on their instincts, they rely on their actual strength and stamina and strength. And their battle of wits in order to get their jobs done. So, for the hardcore fans, you're not gonna. See, I'm sure you're not gonna see. You know him using the batarangs, the gadgets, the uh, the the utility belts, the Batmobile. No, this is going to be Batman in the purest form in feudal Japan. And if that doesn't sound badass to you, I don't know what does. But let's get back to the news, shall we? Premiere in New York City. There will be two Batman Ninja events in New York City that are free and available for friends to attend to. Ooh, that's exciting. On Tuesday, May 1st, Batman Ninja will have its NYC premiere at the Directors Guild of America. Starting at 10 p.m., the event will include a screening of the full film and a post-screening panel discussion amongst the filmmakers and actors. That sounds extremely exciting. And I'm going to jot down that for myself because I definitely want to go May 1st. That's next Tuesday. Ooh, next Tuesday. Sounds exciting. Let's see. For fans, uh, if they if you want to know how exactly you want to get into, go to BatmanNews.com. BatmanNews, B-A-T-M-A-N-N-E-W-S.com. And read more in terms of how you can apply for getting your tickets. If you want to go to the panels, if you want to go to the event, go. Have a blast. Talk about it. Tweet it. Facebook it. Doesn't matter. You want to go. And if you want to see the the movie, which I've been hearing that it's been getting so much praise for, it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, let's see. Yeah, everything is done. So, once again, go to BatmanNews.com and find out more information in terms of how you can go on to these panels and how you could see the movie. Uh, Batman Ninja, as available right now, it's available now on Digital HD. It hits Blu-ray and DVD on May 8th, which is interesting because that's my brother's birthday. Am I going to get him something? Probably not, but that's my business and it is what it is. So, Batman Ninja, go watch it, go see it, go have a good time. Moving on, next segment. 
Let's see. What do we have here? What do we have here? Oh joy! Ooh, here's something interesting. Kathy Yan to direct Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn girl gang movie, Birds of Prey. So I recently heard about this in terms of Suicide Squad, the sequel Suicide Squad Two, being pushed back because they want to focus on a spinoff movie for Margot Margot Robbie's version of Harley Quinn. I'm gonna be honest. I'm having skeptical hippo eyes. Quoting Brendan Schaub, below the belt podcast. I'm having some skeptical hippo eyes on this because of a couple of reasons. There were many cases in comic book movies from the past where spinoff movies just do not work because they miss the essence of what the original movie actually brought to the big screen. It, 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 it the, the when we see a, an original film. We connect to it on such a high level of its uniqueness in terms of telling a plot, telling a story, uh, character development, and story-driven, the soundtrack. Everything of what we love when we see a film or a movie, we connect to it on a personal level. Which is why in many cases when reboots and remakes happen... For one thing, they do it to either make money, but they also do it to ensure that if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, if you haven't seen it from the past, that you can see a different incarnation of it. The problem with that is fans of the original don't want to see something new. That's why it has to remain classic. That's why sometimes original movies should be, basically should be left alone. Spin-offs are another story because spin-offs are basically ways of trying to tell a different story for another character that we really don't need to see. For Harley Quinn, in my personal opinion, it might be a little different. And here's the reason why. If you remember, I believe it was 2003 or 2004 when Daredevil, Ben Affleck's Daredevil, and the horrible, horrible spin-off film Elektra... From Jennifer Gardner. Yes, Jennifer Gardner was played by her. It just did not work at all. The story was utter shit. The villain was shit. The characters, CGI was sloppy at best. And there were no references to Daredevil whatsoever. Uh, Switching subjects here just a tiny bit. Let's look at... Despicable Me 1 one and 2. Funny. Classic. Uh, Gru, the villain slash hero. What was it about? It was about a villain who became a, a, a good guy. Became humanized by the three little girls. And the minions were literally a side point where it's like, Okay, we can buy that you guys are... Cute mascots. The next mascot for Disney Pixar? Maybe. But their popularity soared so much where you literally see them everywhere. And I'm not complaining. Like, I love those minions. <laughs> well, I don't love those minions. My girlfriend does. But, eh, whatever the point. It is what it is. My point is this. Minions, the spin-off movie, didn't really quite work 
because we didn't really connect to how we did with the first two films. And I believe the Harley Quinn movie that's going to be portrayed off of Birds of Prey, the DC comic book version, which, by the way, is sort of a spin-off comic to the original Batman story. Like, who's going to be the main villain? Is it going to be a version of Joker and Harley Quinn's film? Is it going to be a, you know, is it going to be just about Harley Quinn's friendship with Poison Ivy? Because I would love to see that on the big screen. Um, Is Batgirl going to be portrayed in it? Which I believe she is. And the project with her made from Joss Sweden was actually, or did get dropped. So that's a very interesting topic. You know, um, I don't know. I'm I'm just saying some spin-off movies just doesn't work, but hopefully, hopefully, I'm, I'm like I said I'm I'm just being hopeful here. Birds of prey. All I know is this: there is a strong chance that the women that are being part of this film. Are going to be highly sexualized. Or at least one or two of them are going to be highly sexualized. And that's. And and, and I, I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing here. Please don't shoot the messenger here. I'm just saying. I expect that because with the dark tone. That DC. That the DCEU has taken right now. Chances are. They might go that route. I'm just saying. Be prepared for that. If for any reason that was to be the case. Moving on, say this will probably be our final segment. It's talking about Batgirl, Joss Sweden elaborates on heartbreaking decision to exit Batgirl. Huh. That's pretty interesting. Director of Avengers Age of Ultron. Apparently, if you guys haven't heard, he was set to write and direct a Batgirl film. But that has been cancelled. I believe that got cancelled sometime last week or the week before. And he goes, and I quote, It had been a year since I had first pitched the story. A lot happened in that year and I felt some elements might not work as well and the story kind of just crumbled in my hands. There were elements that I hadn't, that I just hadn't mastered that I, after a long time, felt like I wasn't going to. I told people that I didn't have an idea, which isn't exactly true. I had an idea. It just didn't fit the space that was left for it. It was a little heartbreaking because I was so excited about it, but I'm currently working on something of my own, and there's nothing more exciting than that. I have to be honest. There's some parts of it that I believe that is true, and other parts of it that I believe that isn't. I think that with the struggles that Warner Brothers have over their directors, the pressure became too much for him to write and direct Batgirl because for you to introduce Batgirl when you haven't even introduced Robin or Nightwing yet or even Red Hood, which I do believe he should get his own film. Shout out to Red Hood. If you haven't seen him in fan uh fan films on YouTube, go check it out. Um, a lot of people pour their heart and energy into producing How Red Hood is. Awesome character. Batgirl should be a character 
that has to do justice. How, how can I explain this very, very carefully? You can't botch up Batgirl if you haven't gotten any other element before her correctly. In which this case, I mean Batman. What Christopher Nolan did with the Batman films was by far the most stunning films I have ever seen in my life. Because what Christopher Nolan did with the Dark Knight trilogy, he made Batman into a realistic character. Not only him, but the characters. With Batgirl, I'm not saying that a director would have to do the same exact thing. But with the loyal fans that is behind Batgirl, you have to ensure that her charismatic character is portrayed extremely well in the movie theater. You need to make sure that the story is well done. You need to make sure that her character, that the character development is well done from the time that she becomes Barbara Gordon to Batgirl to Oracle. And to Batgirl again. You, you, like, if you can make a movie where that transition actually happens from beginning till all the way at the end, then you have a movie on your hands. Case in point, Batgirl, uh, the comic book, Batgirl, the killing joke. Probably one of my favorite reads ever. The Joker, for those, spoilers, slight spoilers, by the way, for the killing joke. Not the killing joke. Jesus, what am I talking about? Um, Death of the Family. There we go. The comic book, the killing joke. Death of the Family. The Joker terrorizes each member of the Bat of the Bat Family in order to get to Batman. And how the Joker terrorized Batgirl is probably one of the most gruesome things I've ever read in my life. I don't want to spoil it. Like I said in my last episode. Go to your local comic book store, pick up Batgirl, Death of, Death of the Family. J you know what? Pick up the entire Death of the, Death of the Family comic book story arc. It's a fantastic read. Batgirl cannot be ruined by any director that decides to pick up that project. Her look has to be done. The character traits has to be done and they have to be done extremely well her interactions with other characters like for example her father commissioner gordon commissioner james gordon um how she interacts with batman you know if there's some kind of love thing going on with them which has been portrayed in comics numerous times um her martial arts background her her background in judo for example um these are just some examples of what you have to do to make a story or at least make the character development of Batgirl become extremely done. In my personal opinion, I think Joss Whedon stopped the project not only because of what he said, but also because of the restrictions that Warner Brothers have directly towards their characters. I believe Warner Brothers did such a poor job with the A-list characters. They're not trying to focus on the B-list characters. Nightwing, um, Batgirl, maybe Superboy if they decide to go that route. Um, 
you know, uh, Young Justice, if they want to go that route and, and put it on the big screen. These are just some examples, by the way. What DC needs to do right now, what Warner Brothers need to do right now, they need to get their act together, stop copying the Avengers, and just go about what they think they, what they believe they can do best. Just be your own entity. That's all I'm asking. Just, just be your own entity. For someone to take upon a Batgirl project, hopefully we can get it by next year. Hopefully we can get it by after 2020. But in my personal opinion, I say focus on what you're doing with the Justice League. Focus on introducing Darkseid. Focus on introducing the bad guys that are pivotal to the characters that we grew up with literally since before the 90s all the way till now. That should be the main focus. Don't focus on Batgirl. Don't focus on Nightwing. Don't focus on uh, uh, the sidekicks of the other characters. Don't focus on any of that. Just, just, just stop messing up. Just, just stop messing up. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, that's it for this these segments of the second episode. Tune in next episode, OTC, where we talk about everything Marvel in terms of what I'm looking forward to, breaking down the Venom trailer, the Deadpool trailer, and of course, Avengers three. Ooh, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be exciting indeed. The second episode, done, OTC podcast. As of right now, we are done. We are through. We are out.